All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Gray Area's Artist Spotlight. I am your host, Austin Miller. And today we have London's own James Bohr, better known as, and, or better known in dance music circles as Made by Pete. James, thanks for taking some time out of your day for us, man. Pleasure, man. Nice to touch you. So before we get down to the deep stuff, I got to know, where did the moniker Made by Pete come from? Because you're, you're James. You're not Pete. <laughs> yeah, I get called Pete all the time. Uh, my dad's name was Pete. So Stop. <laughs> he, passed away, he passed away when I was younger, but so I was literally made by Pete. Like, that's that's, that's pretty cheeky, man. That's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. your uh, your dad's name is Pete. Is your family still in the UK? Yeah, yeah. We live just outside of London. Um, I grew up in the suburbs of London, and we moved a little bit further out so I could have a bit more space to build a studio in the garden. Yeah, dude. So, uh, first of all, I'm looking at your studio right now, and you know, I'm kind of showing my creep card here, but looking <laughs> at all your socials. Dude, your studio is like a producer's wet dream, man. Like, oh my God, you have like the top notch gear. You got all of the different synths. You got a huge mix board. You got all these different monitors, all these different synths. Like what, what kind of got you down this path, down this rabbit hole into like the gear? I, I, it just, you know, it's something that I'm interested in. I think it, it just happens naturally. If you find yourself watching youtube videos about synthesizers at 1am on the sofa you know on a thursday night you're probably a little bit addicted to something there so it's just you know a hobby that turned into um something more and that um you know i always used software from a, a young age when i start first started making music and then when i got a bit older and i got a little bit more into it i yeah i started buying hardware which i love to use i i use both but the studio um yeah i mean like i've, I've been in my mum's kitchen I've been in basements, I've been in garages with spiders, I've been inside tiny bedrooms, I've had it all, so I've, I've earned my keep and I've, I've finally managed to build this little place in my back garden with, a, with a, nice, a nice spot to work. It's my church, you know, I come here to pray and I come here to work. That's awesome, man. What, what would you say your favorite piece of equipment is, if you can even name a favorite piece of your equipment? Yeah, um, it's, it's tough, man, because, you know, everything has its use and and that's the good thing about equipment, you know, it's, it's finding new uses for them. Um, I don't know. I think I, I use everything a lot, you know. I mean, I'd say my most recent thing I bought is a compressor, but that's not really very exciting. So I'd say the Moog Matriarch, um, it's a really cool synthesizer, semi-modular synth. It's got an amazing sound and it's you can do some cool stuff with it, yeah. That's really cool, man. So kind of now flashing back, what, so, you know, now you're clearly this, this accomplished DJ and producer who like knows his way up and down about all the equipment and knows what it takes to make a high quality track and make a high quality set. But where did this all start? You know, where, where did your musical journey begin? Like what is your earliest musical memory? Um, my earliest musical memory is probably wanting to learn to play the saxophone, but being forced to play the clarinet instead at school. <laughs> which lasted about three months because the clarinet was boring. Uh, and, uh, and then I think when I was about 14, I was really into um, Nirvana and stuff. So my mum, uh, I managed to persuade my mum to buy me a drum kit, this beautiful red wine pearl drum kit when I was a kid, about 14. And then I think about two years later, when I was 16, I was even more stupid and I sold it <laughs> and went off into London and, and spent like 300 pounds on a Machino shirt that was too big for me and these awful jeans. So, you know, that was the, that was the, that was my earliest, earliest foray into music. And I think 
Um, it was worth, for as far as the electronic music and DJing is concerned, I think it was trips to Ibiza. We used to go to Ibiza on family holidays when we were young. It's a great um, family holiday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, well, that's the good thing about the island. You know, it's beautiful, you know. There's there's also obviously the clubbing side of it and the music side to it, but it's also just a beautiful Mediterranean island. So, you know, we used to go off into the sticks and, and eventually year after year, we'd go back and me and my friend, we would sort of venture out to the clubs and that's where I got into electronic music and, and started thinking, hey, I want to start mixing two records together. Dude, that's that's pretty sick, man. What did you did you ever make your way into a club with your parents or with your family at all? No, I never went with my mum, but we yeah. did go to. I think it was we started going when we were fourteen, and I think by the time we got to sixteen or seventeen, we went to. I think it was S Paradise was the first club we went to, mm-hmm. and we got we got there at like eleven o'clock, and there was no one there. Yeah, <laughs> in the, in the UK when we were going out, kids, kids, you know, like you know eleven o'clock, and then by I think by one o'clock the dj had started playing the same music again so we thought oh it must be over now and we left yeah. and we'll see that's when people were just starting to go in yeah uh but yeah we, we did and then we went back every year and started going out to to the other clubs and and experiencing it all heck yeah man now now even though you didn't go to the clubs with your family too much in abitha did have they ever come to a show of yours or did yeah you go to I, played, shows of yours? <laughs> I played at ministry of sound in the in the in the main room I, on my 21st birthday, my mum was there. Nice. Uh, she even managed to come into the DJ booth. I don't know how she got she got in, but I, she I was she turned to my head and she was standing right next to me. <laughs> and then I think I looked over the security guard and he was just like, you know, <laughs> she came in, she's your mum. <laughs> That's awesome, man. What what did they like? What were you know, what were your parents' kind of thoughts as you started getting into that dance music side of things? Because for a lot of people, you know, dance music is it's it's this weird kind of niche thing that not everybody really can like sink their teeth into, you know, like what, what was your family's kind of thoughts as you started getting into that? Did they just think it was kind of weird electronic robot noises or were they like, Oh, what's this groove we got going on here, son? (laughs) My mom's always been really encouraging. So I think she, she saw that I had an interest in something. um, And instead of discouraging me, encouraged me to do it properly. So after a couple of years of, of DJing, I, brought, I borrowed some friends' decks. I learned how to, to DJ and I put on some parties in my local pubs and things like that and just sort of just cut my teeth. And then I, I said, you know, I felt like I wanted to do a bit more. So she was the one who sort of encouraged me to go to college and learn how to make music. Cool. So that because and that was the thing that kind of turned it in from from just DJing and hobbying to something that, hey, I can you know try and turn this into a career. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Now, when did, now, how did that, um, like, how did your, you know, your, your fascination with dance music, how did that evolve from just a fan into becoming like a contributor to the scene? Like, how did you get from fan to actually DJing and actually producing? What did that kind of process look like for you? Um, well, if the first, the first gig came out of a fluke, I was a tennis coach as a teenager because I played no tennis as a kid. So yeah. I was, coaching and I ended up just just coaching this guy who we got talking and we were talking about house music and we went to it and I told him that I DJed at home and he told me that he ran events at a club so um I offered him some free tennis lessons and he gave me a couple of gigs and I played you know change. I probably played all the wrong music at all the wrong time you know <laughs> I was young but um but that, that was my first first gigs and uh, and I just loved it I always thrived off off an energy 
you know it, just playing music to someone and seeing their reaction i think that was the that was the initial thought and whether that's two people on the dance floor you know the first dj you know or whether it's you know 10,000 people you know the, it's that same vibe that that interaction with two people i think that that really hooked me dude there are a few things that are more satisfying than putting a song on and like you said, whether it's just two people in dance floor or even if, you know, someone's riding in your car with you and you put a song on like, hey, listen to this yeah. and seeing their face go like. <laughs> yeah, the bass face. This? And there's there are a few things in life more satisfying than that. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I don't know what it is about it, but that feeling is a beautiful thing. And I think it I think it's what draws a lot of people to dance music, just because it's something that you really do. You know, you really do feel dance music inside you a little bit more there's there's a like you're saying there's an energy to it a little bit there's something yeah. very carnal about it almost very yeah. um uh, what's the word i'm looking for it, it i think people something very intrinsic yeah people people feel connected on the dance well, i remember one of my quite vivid memory actually of, of being in pasha and abitha and again you know quite young and you know where i grew up you know where, going out as a kid you'd always you know be worried about you know, getting on the bus, who you're going to bump into again, you know, is there going to be any trouble that night? And when I was in a, in Ibiza, you bump into someone on the dance floor and they turn around and go, oh, sorry, mate, how you doing? Everyone was friendly, lovely. Everyone was really cool. I was like, wow, man, this music's amazing. The people are amazing. I, I want to do this. Like, this is really where, where I need to be. And all my friends were, you know, were off going to the, the local club, listening to a bit of cheese, trying to pull a girl maybe. And I was just like, I'm going to ministry of sound. I don't care if you want yeah. to come on my own. <laughs> It's, it's so cool that 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 you know it provides that space that you know that that space for us to be able to you know whether you're by yourself or whether you're with a crew of people to just be able to kind of sink into that rhythm sink into that beat and then kind of just like let it all melt away a little bit and just kind of yeah the next thing you know three hours have gone by and you're like oh i need to get some water <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so now do you remember the first feelings that you experienced with that first set? Like, like what were, what was that feeling that you had when that first time you went behind the decks versus, you know, where you are now behind the decks? It's still as exciting now as it was back then. I was probably a little bit more nervous back then because also, because I was DJing on vinyl and then you actually had to do something, <laughs> you know, it was like, yeah. you actually have to like focus and make sure the needle's not bumping or the, the records in time. Yeah. And <laughs> all very sort of mechanical in that sense you know there's obviously yeah. other aspects of dj and it's not just about beat matching but but yeah i think being on the decks i was just just excited man i mean i remember preparing i remember i because i had some really old turntables like these these belt drive turntables that you really had to give a good push to start and i practiced my set on that and then i got to the club and there were these beautiful technics 1210s and i was like you know, I wanted my rubbish crap ones back because I know how those ones were. I don't know how these ones were. It took me a while to get into the into the flow of things, but eventually, it, you know, I did. And then uh, I just remember enjoying it and having a great time. That's awesome, man. Now, when how how soon after you started DJing did you start producing too? Yeah, it would have been uh, about three years, I think. So sixteen started DJing. Nineteen, I went to college to do uh, music production. Cool. Uh, it was like a music production and business. It was like a two-year course. Yeah. But it was, it was. I think it was like two days a week, and it was a Monday and a Monday and a Tuesday. But on the, I always used to go on the Monday because it was the pra the practical day, and the Tuesday was the music business day. Yeah. And not that I wasn't interested, but on a Monday I had a residency in, in a town outside of London. It was a student night. 
Okay. And uh, I used to play every Monday. And so Tuesdays were always a write-off. So I missed most of the Tuesdays. Yeah, <laughs> I had to catch up on that. But the um the course was um, yeah, it was good. I mean, at that time I wasn't really that serious. Uh, I was just mm. like, hey, you know, let's do it and let's let's try it out. And I think the best thing that it taught me was how to use logic because okay. logic's the software that I use to produce. And and like any sort of professional software, it takes time to learn these things you know you must you, must, you know people try and learn it now when they've got jobs and kids and you know things going on and they can't do it because they don't have the time yeah so I was fortunate enough to do it repetitively you know every other day for a year and it just clicked in my head and and then I knew my way around the interface I knew where to click and I, that didn't that stuff didn't have to get in the way of me being creative and making music yeah, yeah I think that and being being comfortable and being familiar with your interface whatever whatever it is you use whether it's logic whether it's ableton or one of the others that i've that i've noticed is like the biggest um not barrier to entry but the like almost the biggest um hurdle for like up and coming people to really try and like try and make over because the capabilities of the those softwares are astounding they are near bottomless what you can do with them if you really know what you're doing but like you're saying it takes it takes a couple laps around the track before you really even start to scratch the surface of what they can do yeah and just familiarizing with yourself and just remembering stuff i mean you know that's the thing that the thing is they're deep i mean i've been using logic for 15 years there's things in there that i don't know the thing Mm -hmm. is is you don't need to know everything you need to know what what your workflow is and every now and then something new will pop up you'll be like okay that's really cool and then you'll see someone else doing something you're like well i do it a different way and i do this and and you know so it's i think it's just about it's the repetitiveness of doing it again and again and again where do i click for this where do i click for this if you do it once twice three times a week your brain will remember if you do it once twice three times a month every time you come back to it you've got to relearn what you learned the last time yeah now you're talking about you know being able to really get it down with that year of just doing it every other day now when you graduated that program did you start getting right into like music as your profession or did you have to like kind of work any side gigs to get up to to get to that point where you could sustain yourself oh yeah i mean I, I've always had a side side gig. I mean, music, there's no, there's no guarantees in music, you know. Yeah. Um, some, like sometimes you can, yeah, sometimes you can get lucky. Um, you can meet the right person. You know, you can be, if you're talented and you get in the right, with the right crew at the right time, you know, you can go like that. I don't think it never really happened for me like that. I had to work very hard. You know, I was here and here and here and here. Yeah, so yeah. I always had something else that I was doing, be it tennis coaching or, or other things, um, uh, I work as a digital designer now as well. So cool. um, another way to earn money, I think it's really important to have that. You know, there's nothing more uninspiring than being broke. Yeah. Some some people may disagree. I don't know, but for me, I, I you know, I, I, and also if you know if you're if you're relying on the money in the early stages, you're probably going to end up making wrong decisions with your music. You know, yeah. Especially yeah. taking the wrong remix or the wrong gigs and stuff. You know, if you need that three hundred quid to get to pay your gas bill, you're not going to turn down that. Thing, yeah. but yeah you know that's not always the best way to go when you're trying to create a brand and a, and a sound and a vibe you want to be free of any sort of limitations or or needs financially and just just go with the flow yeah because that that when you are free of those restrictions and you can really dig into what your sound is and really cultivate your sound that that seems to make the most 
the most unique sounds like people like people don't fall into the okay well what's what is hitting right now what's getting the most streams right now and falling into that trap and when they do that then they never take that time to cultivate their sound but the people that do take that time to to build their brand build their sound also tend to find or tend i tend to see that they have the most loyal followings too though because people can identify with that sound like we were talking about earlier like in that like oddly intrinsic way so props to you for like taking the time to like be like to establish your sound yeah yeah no it's it's definitely the way forward and may i probably thought i'd established it when i was 22 but i hadn't uh (laughs) you know i was still i was still searching around for samples and stuff and i think now i'm certainly creating sounds myself more because i've just got the freedom to do it and and maybe access to the stuff that i didn't have before as well yeah now with that sound like so you know listening through your library man you have like you have this plethora of these kind of really cool spaced out deep house with a little bit of with a sprinkle of like some tech in there occasionally and it it's landed you on some of these really established labels like Crosstown Rebels, Radiant, Mad Tech Records. And you're also regularly getting rinsed by other artists like Hot Sense 82 and Damian Lazarus and Kolsch, just to name a few. But where do you find the inspiration for that sound has stemmed from? You know, what is it that draws you to these deep, melodic, sometimes like tribal sounds? I don't know, really. I think... Um... <sighs> understand understanding um what it is that that you like about a sound it, it, it can be quite hard to do you know you think oh well i like this bass sound because it's a good bass but there's a lot more depth to that sound and what is it about that sound you know do you like the the way the transients do you like the way it you know rumbles in the low end or the way it's got a nice top end you can get a little bit more in depth and i think i find inspiration all over the place sometimes i'll hear I'll be listening to music and I'll hear like the snare drum and I'll be like, I like that snare. I'm going to sample that snare. And that just that sound alone will, will give me a direction to go with the rest of the, the beats yeah. or the rest of the groove, whatever it is. So um, I've always been into drums um, back from selling my you know drum kit as a kid. <laughs> you know, I've always into drums. I've got percussion and stuff. And so I, I like to balance, try and sort of what excites me is, is, is bending together organic acoustic material with electronic stuff as well and trying to get that balance of kind of like it's not too hard it's not too hard and it's not too aggressive but at the same time it's not too somber and it's not too mellow so you can jam out to it in a club but you could also just about listen to it on your headphones and you know trying to find that balance of, of interesting sounds and melody and groove nice man now you're talking about you like to try and balance like that organic with that synthesized, like, do you, do you ever try to bring in um, much like live instrumentation or do you do most of like your instrumental work, like through like the, in, the bottomless well of a studio that you have? <laughs> yeah, I love, I love working with, with um, all types of anyone who's got a talent that I don't have, you know, I mean, I, I like to be the guy who's at the desk, producing and, and getting that final sound together but i'm not a musician myself i can't i can, I can play basic things but i can't i'm not a musician so anyone who who like a vocalist or anyone who can play different instruments you know it's great to get them in the studio because they often tend to have the skills that i don't have and i tend to have the skills that they don't have and we work really well together so i did i've got a, a new 
track coming out with um a savage and she a new ep coming out soon and that's basically they just came over to the studio with for a day and um chris was playing some really cool percussion sheena's amazing on vocals and we just recorded loads of stuff for two days we went, didn't really make a track and then i had like three months where i had these sounds and it just I ended up just putting them all together and eventually made some music out of it but it's nice to work with musicians and vocalists for sure nice man now when is that can you tell us when that ep is coming out what the name of the ep is going to be yeah yeah it's uh it's it's going to be uh on the 3rd of february uh, it's called wars of zion and it's myself and savage and she uh tulum based acts and it's coming on crosstown rebels nice man cool yeah i love that you're i love that you know you you enjoy taking on that role of like the like the purveyor of of talents you know like the like this this person who can um who provides the space for other creatives to be able to express themselves in tandem with yourself that's um that's a cool talent that you know uh that i think probably has come with you know those years that like you were saying those years of like trying to find your sound and find what you were looking for i imagine it's probably also built um just an appreciation within yourself for for other people's talents as well and seeing like the incredible final product that can be brought out yeah yeah absolutely it you can't do everything yourself and i think that you know traditionally the role of the producer is that is to get the best out of the artist you know we just happen to be the artist as well as the producer and the engineer so you've got to yeah. got to find a way to work um and you know don't limit yourself to just the things that you can do you know why why not Exper experiment and, and and bring in other people it's it, i often and i often tend to end up with things that i would never have come up with myself which is great because um you know you've just you've just found something new there yeah and maybe you make a friend as well <laughs> yeah now have you ever like have you ever gone into a project you know bringing in a couple of artists or bringing in a couple of uh, yeah um like a couple of other artists have you ever gone into the project with an idea in your head and then once they get there and you got you guys kind of start meshing and kind of start feeling it out with each other that idea takes a total shift yeah yeah man um once <laughs> once me and my friend we were gonna we were gonna make like a, a house remix of a hip-hop track and we sampled the krs-one snare yeah um and then it ended up being a deep melodic track that had just had that snare in like nothing else and it just went in a completely different direction that happens all the time and it's always good to let it flow man most of the time that i try it was try and come in the studio and, and try and make something that i've heard that i want to make never really works man i and sometimes i'll be there for eight hours building all these ideas and i'll end up deleting everything and i'll just be left with a kick and a snare like that after eight hours of work and you'd be like this is a complete waste of time nothing's happened at all because i've been trying to do something and it just hasn't worked you know mm -hmm. the best stuff comes from the happy accidents and the things where you've just found something and you let it go yeah and just carry on with it and it takes you off in a journey and you know sometimes you'll use it sometimes you won't some things will sit on my hard drive for two years just an idea that sat there and i'll have something will pop up and i go ah. Oh, that sound that I put in that track two years ago would work wicked on this man. So you end up sort of sampling yourself, which is wicked. It's really cool. Do you like, do you like, how often do you actually remember those tracks that sit on your hard drive for two years? Like, I feel like they're like, stored, man. Yeah. They're stored in the hard drive. They're there somewhere. They're, I can't remember anything else. I forget lots of other things. But <laughs> when it comes to that, that kind of stuff, 
you know, I think it's the DJ's brain, you know, like trying to pick out a track and be, you know, something you haven't heard for five years or something. You just yeah. remember. Maybe it's because you made it. I don't know. It's like it's just ingrained in there. Yeah, probably. Well, and it's funny you say that, you know, like it, you know, maybe it is because you made it. Maybe like because you made it, it came from you. It's a part of you, you know, yeah. it's made by James. Yeah. <laughs> heck yeah man well hey so james you know you like you've been around like you've been around for like quite a bit now and you really started to establish yourself and like really um you know you're starting to take off a little bit man is there like what do you have coming up kind of that you're really excited for or yeah what do you have kind of coming up in like whether it's a performance whether it's an ep or even if it's just something within yourself as an artist like that you are really excited for in the coming future um i've got loads of stuff that i'm really excited about um i'm i'm supposed to be traveling to tunisia in a couple of days to play um uh, on new year's eve with my friend emmanuel sati yeah uh, I've, I've been doing some work with emmanuel um he came to my studio here we did a couple of records a couple of tracks together and then i went to his studio in berlin and we did some work together so we're both playing on this show i fingers crossed i get my covid uh all clear uh yeah. past later yeah. today and i'll be able to travel and then in um in january i'm going to tulum for a week i'm going to go and spend some time with savage and she we're going to record a music video uh for the, the new track we've done and we're going to play a couple of gigs uh going to play uh set underground in the jungle in tulum which i'm gonna nice. obviously looking forward to and uh and then the release the ep comes out on uh, crosstown rebels in february so that's my sort of begin start of the year. And then I've got another record coming out with a friend of mine called Zoe, Zoe Kipri, amazing vocalist, really, really cool. And we, we did this track two, two years ago, but you know, because of COVID and other things, it just never came out. So it, that's part of a three track EP, which is coming out. And I'm really happy with that track as well. So lots of exciting music coming up. Yeah, dude, that's a very healthy start to the year. Dang. <laughs> now, when, now, when did you when did you start being able to you know go international when did you start making these connections that took you to the other side of the world to do some of this work man that's really cool like in you know your first at least your first releases out on spotify were only out like in 2015 that was like the earliest date that you had um yeah and so um, like that's, a, that's a, <laughs> a quick turnaround man that's a like you know like people you know there are people who dig for you know for a decade plus to try and get to that point you know you're really starting to take off like when did that kind of when did that kind of start to settle in? Like, dang, like what I'm doing is working right now. What I'm doing, like I'm on the right path. Yeah, I think, again, for me, it's happened slowly and gradually. You know, some artists, they hit the ground running, they take the right, you say it's happened quickly. Uh, you know, I've been producing and releasing music as made by Pete since then, but I've re re uh, releasing music under various other names oh, right, okay. from, right from the age of, uh 19 20 in fact my first ever release it was called sweaty underpants That's what it's <laughs> and it's on you can you can see it on you can find it on youtube under my name james edwards and it sounds really bad man it's got like four different bass lines and none of them are any good and it's just you know but you know that's the evolution man we start off and we you know it's you know so yeah I, i've been making music and every every six months maybe even every three months i get better like i've i've just spent the last today and yesterday um finishing off some mixes and doing some masters for three tracks that i've just finished that i want to try out in tunisia and i finished them maybe like um six weeks ago maybe and i've just improved on them now only in the last six months because i've 
I've learned more in the last six weeks because <laughs> yeah. I've been watching more YouTube videos to seven in the morning. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm, I'm improving all the time and, and my techniques, the more you do it, the more you learn. So things have gone, gone slowly. But I, coming back to your, the international stuff, um, it's hard, you know, some things will come along out of nowhere and sometimes you'll have, you know, times when you're not traveling and you're not, you're not um, doing international gigs. But I, it's, it's just, it's such a pleasure to, to, to travel uh, and to play music. I mean, if you can do those things together yeah. and you can earn some money, then, you know, you're blessed. Yeah, absolutely, man. Now, what did, when you first started, you know, when you first, you know, graduated your music production program and all that, did you ever like, did, did you ever see yourself getting to this point? Um, I, I was, I would never say that I assumed that I would, but I always wanted to. And I always, that yeah. was always the, the, what I was working towards. I was always working hard, um, you know, whether it was flyering outside clubs until three in the morning so I could yeah. play the graveyard shift, you know, those kind of things. And it was just like, you know, when something's right, because you're willing to graft for it and it doesn't feel like grafting. You're just, yeah. you just want to do it. Like, yeah. and that's, it just it's always felt like that to me. But I, back at the start, we said, I'm still excited. I, I still have the same drive and enthusiasm about getting up in the morning and coming to make music that I, that I had 15 years ago. So in a way, way, I'm just lucky to have something in my life that drives me and that I'm excited about still. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's how you know that it's, that it's truly a passion of yours. You know, yeah. it's amazing. Like how many, you know, I've, how many people I've talked to, um, not, not in this standpoint, but just like in day-to-day -day life um, who, when you ask, you know, well, what is your passion in life? What, what really, like, what is something that you would pay to do every day for the rest of your life? And it's amazing. It's amazing to me how how few people ha actually have have an idea of what that is in them. Um, and so it's something that you know the more the more I realize that it's it's a it's almost a rare thing. I've really come to appreciate like people who are passionate about those things, people who are you know who are pursuing the things that make their heart happy more than anything else. Even if there isn't the guarantee of a paycheck, of a international tour, of this, of that. You don't do it because of the those things. You do it because you love it, because it makes your heart happy. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a it's a blessing to have to have it, you know. And like you say, I would, you know, if there was no money involved, I'd still be here doing it every day because I just love doing it. I love that, man. It doesn't I love mean that. they can't pay me though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In fact, it's encouraged. <laughs> yeah. Now, what advice might you have for? other up-and-comers who, you know, who were in your standpoint, you know, back in those days where they're just, you know, going in their kitchen, you know, with, with their friends' decks or something like that? Um, I could say to someone who is, yeah, to someone who is young and starting out, I would just say enjoy it, man, and, and, and soak up as much as you can. Um, don't be afraid to learn. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. But also, you know, try try and focus on where you want to be you know the, the sooner you can have a a more focal a stronger focal point of of where you want to be and where you want to go then you can start looking into the kind of brands you want to be associated with and the kind of events you would want to play and you can start going to those events and meeting the people who run it you know that's how we i got gigs when i was in my 20s i would go to the to the events and and meet people and that's yeah. how you do it because you make you build a rapport with someone you build a relationship with someone and and eventually, you know, you get your chance. So yeah, make the effort to go and meet people and still be face to face. I think that's the thing. 
it's so easy now to just be on email or on Facebook and just and just you know just do that. But it doesn't. I would say it wouldn't get you noticed. You know. Yeah. So yeah, maybe, yeah, building those relationships is a, is a huge thing. Relationship building in and of itself is a invaluable skill. I found. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in any walk of life, you know, it works within anything including music it's really important and hone your skills man for sure just just really hone your skills practice 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 learn research you know find out where you can learn more try new things you know it's all about um like i said you'll work it out you know if it's something that you love you won't really need encouragement because you'll have you'll be encouraging yourself but also you know be prepared to have your butt kicked a few times be prepared to get knockbacks you know I get knockbacks all the time, man. I, I finish a record and I think, yeah, this is wicked. And I'll send it to a couple of labels and I'll go, nah. I'll be yeah. like, oh, you know, yeah, <laughs> it still hurts, you know? So yeah. you know, everyone, it happens to everyone, man. You have good days, you have bad days. Don't, don't, let, that, don't let that stuff get you down. Just, just keep cracking on and, and keep learning. Yeah. Now you mentioned, you know, the, the relationship building and, you know, you're born and raised in the UK, which mm. has for, a, for so long been a hotbed for house music you know it has been at the forefront of some of the best music out there for decades now do you think that growing up in that area like being able to be enmeshed in that area once you garnered that appreciation for the music from Ibiza do you find that being in that area helped to kind of like hone like hone your sound a little bit or like where what do you think your relationship with growing up in that area is I would say that it definitely helped being in London because of the um, the options and the the yeah the, the scene you know is so buzzing there were so so many clubs and there were so many options having said that there are so many more DJs here as well so yeah. the competition's fiercer but the scene is is thriving here for sure um I wouldn't say that London has had a real impact on on my sound at least consciously maybe subconsciously mm-hmm. it has a you know the thing about the UK I think the music I've always it's always been very um ahead of its time everyone seems to say that you know like yeah. from from drum and bass to rave to dubstep you know there was always that first thing but i've always found the sound in the uk maybe to be a slightly more raw and maybe a little bit more aggressive in terms of in terms of sound so i've sort of picked little bits from there and little bits from there and and sort of eventually found the, the sort of ingredients that I like that, that work well for me. So, yeah, but, but being in London and, and, and wanting to be a DJ, I mean, you know, there was just so many opportunities. I just had to go out there and find them. Yeah. It wasn't like I was in a little, you know, town miles away from anywhere in a country that doesn't have any opportunities. It would have been a little harder for sure. Yeah. Now, do you think that now let's take the other side of that equation, like you just said, being in that little town, do you think that being in a tiny little town that doesn't have much of a scene do you think that that can be a big hindrance to like someone who might, you know, the one person in that town who does like dance music that they're trying to, you know, trying to maybe build their scene in that area? Do you think it's something that they can build in their area or do you think it's something that they got to get out and get to a place where it's already established? Yeah, it's a tough one. I think um, certainly, you know, being somewhere like that, I mean, I actually, I've recently worked with a guy a musician, uh, really talented multi-musician called Tom Diesel. I'm working with him on some music. And he came from a tiny town in Australia in like the outback. Um, wow. And okay. he had nothing to do. So he learned professionally how to play the piano, the cello, the guitar, 
and he's now a super talent. And now and he's moved to London now, and he's like got this amazing live show that he does on Ableton with all of these live instruments, live looping. So you know, er, you know, wherever you're from, there's still an op opportunity there to to learn and hone your skills. But for sure, I mean, you know, if you want to play techno and there's no techno clubs in your yeah. town, you know, you're Good gonna luck. have to go to another town. <laughs> yeah. Unless you want to do live streams on Twitch, you know, then <laughs> that's a good yeah, way to start. Yeah, well, you know, and, but that's a good point, man. That's a good point. You know, with COVID and all that, you know, the, those live streams have become a big thing. How did you handle COVID in that, like, in that time? What, how did that change kind of whatever direction you might have been going in before COVID? COVID was weird, man, because it, obviously it was hard for people and, you know, people lost their lives and it was tragic for many people. Um, for me, it was actually it was actually great because it gave me the one I'd say commodity, which is the hardest to find, which is time. Like it just, it just basically locked me away in my studio for a year. And, yeah. and it gave me, I, 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 I'm not really quick when it comes to making music. You know, I, I like to start something and, and let it fester for a while. It takes me three weeks to realize how crap it is before I delete something and then put something else in that makes it better. So when it comes to finishing tracks and having them ready, then you take into account that it's going to be six months before it gets released once it's signed because of the, you know, so trying to keep a steady release schedule was hard. So the COVID thing helped me a lot because it just gave me that time to sit in the studio. I didn't do any live DJ. I didn't do any DJ streams at all, actually. And I think that just comes down to the fact that, I don't know, I, I like to, I need to feed off a crowd when I'm DJing. I mean, yeah. I, I used to DJ at home all the time when I had records. I don't have turntables anymore. I, mean, I haven't got even much drive to stick a USB stick in and, and sort of, I don't know, I just, I, it just didn't really, I just didn't want to do it. I guess now that I'm producing and I'm in the studio, I, every time I start DJing, all I want to do is start making music. So I yeah. think that's, that's what I, what I'll do. That's really cool, man. Because, like, like that's, that's, uh, that's interesting because, you know, uh, more often than not, like people shy away from like the produ the production aspect of it because it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's a challenge. Like try like we were talking about trying to get down into the nitty gritty of your software and then really trying to like fine tune all the little tweaks on your hardware as well and getting everything to match up and then getting the idea out of your head <laughs> through the speakers, through all of that, man, that's a challenge. And that's something that a lot of people shy away from. And so that typically tends to push them more towards, well, you know, let me take this great music that's already been made and I'll just play it out that way. And so that's yeah. really cool to hear that, you know, that you're on the other side of that where you're where you'd rather be the producer behind that. And that's that's pretty cool, man. That's I think that's, again, a testament to like your knowledge of your uh, of your software, of your hardware and like into and your passion behind your uh, behind your equipment. Yeah, no, I, I do. I do love it. But I think. DJing is a, is a talent as well. I think, you know, there's the, the you know, there's the, the, this, the, the equipment don't, can do it for you now as far as beat matching. But, you know, there's so much other things you can do. You, you look at people like Jaguar Skills or Richie Horton, the way they will blend five or six tracks together and they're using the, they're carving out frequencies of different tracks to make a, a new track. So there's so many different Wild. ways of approaching DJing and you can be, just as creative and just as imaginative 
as as maybe I am here in the studio with your DJ sets, you know. So that it's all about pushing the envelope and and not just going, you know, doing what everyone else is doing or doing the taking the easy route. But I love DJing. I was a DJ way before I was a producer, and you know, I wasn't really a serious producer throughout my whole twenties. I just went out partying and I made a couple of tracks every now and then throughout yeah. my twenties. It was only really when I got to a little bit older and I was going out partying a little bit less, yeah. and then I started to read up a bit more and get a bit more into the to this this side of things. So. So yeah, I mean the DJing is is still a huge passion for me, and I, I love it. I just I just need the crowd to to vibe off. Yeah, I totally understand that, man. Well, you know, James, I got one more thing for you. All right, we got a speed round next. All right, so I'm just gonna list off like a bunch of questions here, and right. as I list off each one, they're gonna be a, it's gonna be pretty like easy answers. It's not gonna make you think too much. A couple might make you think a little bit, but I'm just gonna list them off, and you just rapid fire these answers off. All right. Okay. All right, here we go. Let's have some fun. All right, house or techno? House. House, all right. Digital or analog? Analog. All right, favorite piece of equipment? And you, oh, wait, I already asked you that. Never mind, we're, we're going to scratch that one. We, that's, we can't say the favorite piece of equipment. All right, festival or rave? Rave. Rave, all right. Club or warehouse? Warehouse. All right, dream collaboration. Stevie Nicks. Whoa, <laughs> that would be <laughs> sick. I was not expecting to hear that name come out of your mouth, but I love that. That's a good one. All right, we got to make that happen. I'm going to try and push that a little bit. All right. I'll leave gonna, that one with you, okay? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm, we're going to cut that out of this interview, and we're going to plaster that all over our socials, and we're going to tag the heck out of Stevie Nicks. Get her come to on. your studio, man. Come on. <laughs> all right. Dream performance spot. Esvedra. Where's that? It's in Ibiza. Okay. It's beautiful. It's an island, sticks out the sea, and it's a, it's a magnetic point of the earth, so planes don't fly over it. Esvedra, if you Google it, you'll see. You've, you will have seen pictures of it. It's very famous. There's nice. lots of CD covers, and people are all, all there. But it's, uh, yeah, some, it just reminds me of being young, and it reminds me of being happy. So that would be a good place to play. That'd be a really cool nostalgic spot. Okay. You walk into a house party, like an old time house party, you know, and someone hands you the aux cord. All right. What song are you playing to get the party going? Oh man, you need to give me a few days to prepare that one, man. Candy <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh. Stanton, Young Hearts Run Free. Andy Stanton, Young Hearts Run Free. All right. I'll have to look that one up after I hop off this interview here. All right. <laughs> now, flip side of that, it's the end of the night. The house party's winding down. All right. What song are you closing out the night with? Candy Stanton, Young Hearts Run Free. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. This is I just even more reason to go look this one up. Okay. If you can listen know, to only there's, one there's song. hundreds, man. There's hundreds, you know. So yeah. I, I can't be anything. That's the, that's the I got you. <laughs> okay. If you could only listen to one song for the rest of your life, what song would it be? What's the answer? <laughs> um, Candy Stanton, Young Hearts Run Free. Yeah. <laughs> um, um I'm going to pick a, a new song, actually, something that I've actually recently remixed. It's a guy called Under Her, uh, based in, in uh, Canada, really cool producer, featuring Ellen, Eleonora, and the track's called Calling. 
it's quite a recent release on a label called True Colours, which is a label I really like, based out of New York. Um, yeah, beautiful original track, which I listened to over and over and over and over again before I remixed it, because I was like, how am I going to make this better? Like, because that's why if I'm going to remix a track, A, I need to love, love it, and B, I need to maybe not make it better, but interpret it in a different way that, you know, if it's not within the same genre, then it needs to be just as good. And if it is the same genre, it needs to be better. Otherwise, yeah. what's the point, you know? <laughs> So yeah, that's the long answer. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Okay, so now what's your, we're in the midst of the holiday season, right? What is your favorite holiday dish? It's got to be a traditional English roast. Traditional English, English roast. roast, all right. Do you know your way around the kitchen a little bit? I do, I love to cook, man. I cooked on Christmas day. I love to cook. It's something that I do on a Sunday. Um, I'm not allowed in the studio on Sunday because I've got kids and I've got a wife. So she's like, no, no, no. Okay. Yeah. So on Sunday, I'm in the kitchen, usually cooking, maybe got a bit of football on the laptop, a couple of beers and I'm cooking up. So yeah, I, I, it's like making music, man. You're picking out the best ingredients, putting it all together, making something good. I love that, dude. I've never heard, I've never quite heard someone make, make that, that comparison of like making music is like being in the kitchen, but I totally see that. I love that, dude. I, I'm, I like to cook myself. That was actually a a Christmas gift I did for my parents a little while back was, you know, they taught me how to cook growing up and I'm, I don't get home too often these days. But when I went home, I was like, all right, this year, I'm just, I'm going to cook all the dinners this year for like the week that I'm there and pulled out nice. some like really fun little dishes. And it was a, it was a good time. It was a very, uh, very like nostalgic kind of cathartic uh, feeling going on. It was cool. It was a good time. Nice. Yeah, man. So, okay. A couple more coffee or tea? Coffee. All right. How do you take it? Black, no sugar. I love that. Yep. Man of my own heart. Okay. <laughs> Final one. Before I die, I want to blank. <laughs> Maybe I've done everything that I want to do. Oh, I'm doing everything that I want to do. Before I die, I want to... There's nothing that I really want that i'm not doing or i don't have at the moment that's awesome man that's a that's a cool that, that's a cool place to be that's a really yeah, cool it's place nice. To be. it's nice i'm not rich by the way either like i'm not like you know so like not nothing monetary or anything i'm just uh i'm living living life the way i want to live life which is yeah. nice dude that's a that's that's a really cool place to be i think i think a, a lot of people listening to that would uh you know with really like to be in that place if they aren't already i think that's something that a lot of people strive to be in so you know props to you man claps to you for uh for being there and i think i think pursuing the things that make your heart happy is the biggest first step to to getting to that place yeah yeah absolutely yeah. well james that's all we got for you man i can't thank you enough for this awesome conversation this was fun man yeah it was great to chat to you austin man hey so you know we look forward to seeing your releases coming up Good luck with the uh, the start of this very healthy start of 2022. And uh, will you be putting up any of the, like any uh, like recordings of the sets that you're going to be playing out? Yeah, I'm going to go. I think I'm going to record the set. I've got my uh, if my I, I ordered a, a new recorder because my my recorder broke. So I'm hoping it's going to come tomorrow. I ordered it enough time, but the post is so bad over Christmas. You know, so fingers crossed it will be recorded. But there'll be some video footage as well um so uh yeah and i'm definitely going to be recording the uh the one in uh, tulum as well awesome well james you have a fantastic rest of your day uh, i'm austin miller this is james edwards aka made by pete 
Thank you very much. This has been Gray Area's Artist Spotlight. Have a great day, James. Thanks, Austin.